This is Michael Jackson by Turnip. I do an incredible Michael Jackson impression. Or I should say I did. I don't do it anymore. Once it scared somebody and I promised I'd stop. But I say that to say that the impression is literally scary good. I used to do prank calls. Me and my boys. You know how it is with your boys. You get together. You start passing around the old landline, all of a sudden it's, your refrigerator is running this, and your wife's in the hospital that. But whenever it was my turn to crank a prank, I would do my Michael Jackson impression. And so, the pranks which we were cranking would become scary good. Man, I kind of wish I could show you, but I don't want to scare you. But I'll tell you about the times back when I did when I did want to scare you. Back when if you were fool enough to have a listed telephone number, you might get a little call from me. Might get a little prank. You might hear, hello, this is Michael Jackson. And even though I sounded literally exactly like Michael Jackson, you, the mark on the other end of my phone, the stooge, the ass end of my prank, might be a little dubious. After all, Michael Jackson was in the news and you were in New Jersey. You might say, this isn't Michael Jackson. And then, in the exact cadence of Michael Jackson's generation-defining voice, I would respond, that's ignorant, because it was 2004 and that episode of South Park just came out. Maybe you'd say, okay, if you're Michael Jackson, what's your monkey's name? At which point I would answer, Bubbles, fast as it took me to ask Jeeves that question. And you'd be impressed within reason. But here's the thing. What made my impression so scary good wasn't that I sounded exactly like Michael Joseph Jackson, which I did and wish I could show you. And it wasn't that I could ask Jeeves. It was that I would get so into character, so into the Michael Joe zone, that I wouldn't need to ask Jeeves a thing. Picture this. You are playfully entertaining the notion that you are on the phone with disgraced pop colossus Michael Jackson. So maybe you say, okay, Michael, what's your deal? What's with the monkeys, you know? Why don't you get a nice regular pet like a dog? Or better yet, a friend, because you're a jerk. And I would answer faster than anyone could ask Jeeves anything. That's a trick question. I have five dogs, Sasha, Spanky, Shadow, Black Girl, and a bulldog named Large, who's the littlest one. But to answer your trick question even more elegantly, I would say that great minds think alike. I am great, and when you cross a certain threshold of greatness, you begin to desire the company of exotic wildlife, specifically the ape. Elvis Presley, my great musical hero, whose daughter I've taken in a sexless marriage, had a chimp. Its name was Scatter, and it liked to drink beer and pull down skirts, and it's no wonder that Elvis and Scatter enjoyed one another's company. In the modern day, Tom Cruise has a chip named Hey Man. One day he's going to perform against it in a film. Marlon Brando, Elton John, Chimp, Chimp. My Bubbles is Chimp as well. Perhaps our great minds recognize the Chimp for what it is. The mother of intelligent life. Our genetic next door neighbor in knowledge who leads us by leagues in the arena of brute strength. 
Perhaps we think it is our duty as the prime specimen of an evolved species to step forward and lead them, stewarding the great beasts which we've evolved beyond, to teach them our ways, civilize them, and in so doing, control them. Ah, yes. Perhaps that's what we really want. To control them. To own their strength by dominating their minds, and in doing so, conquer nature itself. And what's more, perhaps that is the sole desire, the true destiny of all intelligent life. To dominate the natural world which we imagine we have evolved beyond. Hee <laughs> hee. I stayed in the Michael Joe zone well into my mid-twenties. Well after Michael died. Well after I lost touch with my boys, most of whom went off to college to learn about how they were better than God while I stayed home cranking my pranks. If you could even call what I was cranking a prank. I didn't. I'd evolved past pranks. Now I'm no history major. Maybe I would be if I'd gone to college. But I do know that in the middle of the 17th century, an art movement known as the Pronk flourished. Pronk paintings were lush portraits of opulent banquets. They depicted the pleasure of indulgence and furious appetite. Fruit, ocean fare, French wine spilling over the pimpled skin of a fatted fowl. Pronk paintings celebrated earthly delight. And in my mid-twenties, I began cronking pronks. I didn't need Jeeves anymore. It got to the point where I didn't even need the phone book. I just picked up the phone and dialed the numbers which Michael would have dialed. On one such occasion, I was on break at the pizza parlor where I worked, the slice of life in Hoboken, New Jersey. It was the site of most of my pranks because my estranged father and I were having a disagreement about who should be paying my phone bill. I taught myself to eat a slice of pizza in 13 and one half seconds so I could use the remaining 14 plus minutes of my break to cronk pronk. I picked up the phone. I dialed. Hello, this is Michael Jackson. And my dubious mark on the other end said, Excuse me? At this point in my mid-twenties, Michael Jackson had been dead for exactly one year, so my marks were understandably a little more dubious even though my impression had somehow gotten better. So I repeated myself, this is Michael Joseph Jackson, Jemon, and I put the receiver near my feet as I did the moonwalk, which I can also do. My mark on the other end said, do you know who this is? And there was an indignance to his tone which sits heavily in my ears to this day. He seemed angrier than the average recipient of a Jackson pronk. He took it personal, so I took a deep breath. And Michael Jackson answered him. Of course I know who this is, Jermaine. Jermaine Jackson was silent on the other end of the phone for 30 and one half seconds, which made me nervous because I only had about 13 minutes left on my break, and I figured that, situationally speaking, this would be the pronk which defied my life. So I rushed the lead, 
Anyhow, how are you, Germain? I asked. You happy? Oh, yeah, Michael, replied Germain, godsmacked. Kids? I asked. Yeah. Can you put them on the phone? Well, they're sleeping now, Mike. It's late over here. And I said, no, it's not. I'm in New Jersey. It's early here, and you're three hours ahead in California. What are you doing in New Jersey? Jermaine asked. Wondering why you'd tell your brother a lie? I didn't tell a lie. No, you told two. A lie about it being early and a second lie to cover the first. It's a sin to lie, Jermaine, and twice a sin to lie to family. Oh, I know that, Mike. I got confused is all. I, I've been up all night. It's not late. It's early. The kids are still in bed. That's fine. Just put the phone in their cribs. What? Kidding. Oh. <laughs> Describe them to me, though. I could hear Jermaine twisting his landline around his finger. Likewise, my stomach twisted in anticipation. Finally, he spoke. This isn't Michael Jackson. Jeremy, I replied. While I empathize with your disbelief, I have no time for it. Oh yeah? How much time do you have? I said, I don't know. Though the answer was exactly 11 minutes. Not enough. Certainly not enough for games. I am Michael Jackson. I don't know how much time we have, but I'd rather spend it catching up with my brother than hearing him play at a question I answered the second he picked up the phone. Well, nice try, my friend, but Michael would have much rather played a game than catch up with me, so... Fine, then let's play one. One question, any question, go. Okay, let me think. If you are my brother, Michael Jackson... What did you give me as a wedding present? Which wedding? Huh. Uh, touche. Uh, let's see. How about the latest one? Halima. Easy. I gave you a portrait of a man cradling a child. I, I don't know if that says more about your gifts or how well people knew Michael, but... The man is me, Michael Jackson. And the child is also me, the seven-year-old Michael Jackson of your youth. That's the Michael Jackson you picture whenever you picture your brother. That's the Michael Jackson you're picturing right now as you hear your brother's voice on the phone. Yeah, it's an ambitious guess. You hate this portrait, but you hung it in your living room after I died. You're looking at it right now, but you weren't looking at it when you were sitting awake all night. Then you were looking at your phone, waiting for someone to call, but you didn't know who and you didn't know why. Michael? Jimmo. How is this possible? And I replied, It's exactly like I said in the 2001 song Speechless, canonically the last song which Michael Jackson ever recorded for public consumption. Your love is magical. That's how I feel. But I have not the words to explain. God is the grace for expressions of passion. But there are worlds and worlds of ways to explain. But I am speechless. <laughs> now describe your children to me. They're beautiful, Mike. They're beautiful. I wish you could see them. Me too. I got a baby girl now, Mike. Michaela, we named her after you. And Mike, you, Mike, she is my angel. The most beautiful of all. She came out singing and dancing just like you. I've actually always thought I was a very ugly baby. 
Oh, I don't know about that. I got a portrait that proves otherwise. Tell me about the boys. The boys are good. Uh, actually, yesterday, I showed little Tito the Beatles for the first time. Oh, I own their publishing. Yeah. I own the masters to all their records. Yes, I know that, Michael. Did you tell him? No. You should, he might find that interesting. Anyhow, I was playing him the song Blackbird from the White Album. He's listening to it, you know, he's vibing, and then all of a sudden he gets real stiff and serious. So I said, um, what's wrong, buddy? And he goes, Daddy, what's the dead of night? <laughs> yeah. He was shaking and scared. Me and Halima, we just, we fell out laughing. Why? I asked. Well, it makes sense when you think about it. Dead and night are two scary words. No, why were you laughing? It was just funny, you know. It scared him. I bet I could scare you. <laughs> You're scaring me right now, Mike. It's scary to hear your voice not coming from the radio. I just, you know, I just thought it was a funny story, like I never thought about the song that way. Dead of night. I tried to tell him it just means that it's late, but he wouldn't hear it. He thought it had to mean something worse. That's funny. Right? Funny that you'd expect him to trust you. Huh? I said, it's funny that you'd expect him to trust you, Jermaine. You who laughed at him? I can't stand people who laugh at children, Jermaine. It's ignorant. I used to watch kids say the darndest things and not hear the show over the sound of my own screaming. I would call Bill Cosby on the phone while I did it. I'd say, hello, Bill. This is Michael Jackson, and I bet I could do the darndest things to you. God damn, Mike. I didn't mean nothing by it, I swear. You swear. People swear up and down that children are the future. That wisdom comes from the mouth of babes, and yet they laugh at every word that comes out of a little babe's mouth. I think that's the vestige of some old ape DNA. Apes laugh at greater predators to mask their fear. What are you afraid of, Jermaine? What are you laughing at? The future? Which will include little Tito and not you? Little Tito, whose future is ahead of him in a world which has left you behind? Little Tito, whose DNA is nearly identical to your own, but who is another blessed generation removed from the ape DNA which defines every figment of your being. Hee <laughs> hee. Michael, I... <laughs> I just thought it was a funny story. Well, it's not. When I explained it to him, he laughed too. He likes the song now. Then put him on the phone so I can tell him I own it. He's sleeping. Tell me about it. Yeah, jeez. No, literally. Tell me about it. Tell me how he's sleeping. Well, I guess... What's he wearing? What? Tell me how the frills of his nighty crest on his plump little leg. Michael! Come on! I don't know how much time I have left. I gotta bust before I'm dust. Michael, stop. This isn't you. This is a nightmare. Then make yourself some coffee, Jermaine. Scoop two lumps of sugar into it, because you're going to be sipping it all night while you're telling me about little Tito's sweet little lumps. My God! What? They are sweet. I bet he hasn't even dumped out those little lumps. Michael, what's going on? It, it sounds like you, but it isn't you. What's going on is two brothers are catching up, talking little lumps, and who gets to pump them? That's disgusting. Yeah, I didn't feel good about that one. Whoever you are, you need 
kind of help that only a psychiatrist or a stiff kick in the pants can give. I'm hanging up. You're going to hang up your phone at 8874 Mulholland Drive. Your phone is a landline, which you keep even though the only people who call it are telemarketers. You answer it every time it rings and hope it might be an ex-girlfriend or somebody asking for an interview. And if it was, you'd pretend it was a hassle, but it's not. And you'd pretend you don't want to talk about me, but you do. But not because of some magical love which we shared. You want to talk about me because you know that hearing you talk about me is the only reason an interviewer or an ex-girlfriend or anyone else would ever want to hear you talk. But they won't, either way. Because the people who want to talk to you are telemarketers. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. You need electroshock therapy. Someone has to change your whole personality. That's right, Jeremy. Lock him away. Give him electroshock. You've been waiting for decades to tell me that. To say it to anyone, but you never did. Because your little lumps are tinier than Tito's. I thought lumps meant butt. Now it means balls. And you don't got any. How bitter that coffee must taste on your lips. Those lips which stayed shut for so many years. Those lips which longed to say, it's true. My brother is innocent. Which longed to say, I know. I know and I've always known. Shut up. You shut up, Jermaine. Get serious. I'm tired of listening to you protect yourself. From what? From the truth, Jeremy. From the truth. The truth which you know, and have always known, and I gotta say you know today. Now find some lumps and say it. The truth about my brother is that he was a complicated man. He had a strange life, and towards the end of it, he had a strange face. Bravo. So people pointed at it, and they called him a monster. Children pointed at it. Their parents. From the mouth of babes. From the mouths of lawyers, whose entire job it is to make you believe there's no such thing as the truth. The actual quote from the Bible is, God ordained strength out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Psalms 8-2. I know that the strength they're referring to here is wisdom. But I go back and forth on that myself, because I myself have ordained several babes with suckling, and it made me feel pretty strong. That's blasphemy. Yeah, well, in for a penny, in for a pound in the lump. Spang, like that one. Michael Jackson loved children. That's almost the truth. He could have just kept his money in his pocket, or worn it on his neck like the young stars do now. It would have made his life a lot simpler, but he didn't. He gave his life to children because it's what he believed in. Leonardo DiCaprio gives a lot of money to polar bears, but you never hear about him fucking one in the ass. Is this funny to you? God, what you must think of yourself. In my experience, those who have the moral high ground do not often look down on others while they drown. I don't have the moral high ground, Jeremy. This is Michael Jackson. And I know what I did. I was a bad man. I did bad things. I had a complicated life, yes. But the things which I did were not complicated. They were evil. I was a monster. And I know that. So you can stick that line back in your pocket. Because I know what I was. 
I don't know. For you to know it too? Yeah, Jermaine. You need to move on from this. You're not sleeping. That's no good. I mean, for God's sake, you have children. Very lucky children, considering the amount of time I spent with them. But they're not going to be lucky when Daddy keels over at 55 because guilt gave him a tumor the size of Tito's little lumps. And I know I'm going back and forth about what lumps mean. But we can both agree you don't want them in your small colon, Jermaine. So you have to admit what I did. And admit that you know. And admit that you always knew. And then, let it go. God knows I have. I can see that. You're really comfortable talking about it. Yes, I am. Because it's all in the past, Jermaine. What I did is in the past. My guilt is in the past, and my past is not real. It's an idea, but the future is real. It is always coming, and it will pass you by, Jermaine. I promise you that. You need to be a part of it while you still can, before it's too late for you like it's too late for me. And to do that, you need to do now what I couldn't do in life and accept the truth. What's the truth? I was a predator. And I trespassed against the trust of children, and it was evil. And when they came forward, in all their wisdom, and with all their strength, and they told the world that they knew I was a monster, and you denied them, it was evil. I can't do that. Then you need to be ashamed. No, Michael. I, I, I cannot know this shame. You must. Shame is the mechanism by which the conscience changes the soul, Germain. Changes behavior. Changes one's fate. Shame is painful to experience, but that does not mean experiencing it is bad. Shame doesn't have to be a circle. It can become a path, Germain. Now walk it. I cannot walk this path. You already do. I can't bear this burden. You already do. So release it. When you're drowning in a pool of blood, it is not a burden to swim out. Wash yourself. Be cleaned. How did you do it, Michael? It was really gross. Are you sure you want to know? No, not that. I... How did you clean yourself? How are you forgiven? I'm not. What do you mean? Of course you were. How else could you be here? Oh, Germain. <laughs> I am definitely in hell. What? Yeah, baby! That shit's so obvious to me, I'm calling you baby! I'm damned! I don't think I even believe in forgiveness. Oh, don't say it, Michael. Forgiveness is possible. Forget it's holy. To forgive is divine. Ah, forgiveness is cool, but not the forgiveness which I personally would require. Not the forgiveness of evil which allows evil to exist. When we were children, violent evil was enacted against me every time I sang a flat note. Dad's, you know. But I forgave it. And for a time, I was considered to be a very good man because of that. An aspirational type of figure. You witnessed that evil. Felt it too, maybe to a lesser extent. And it is for that reason that at this very moment, you are picturing me as a little boy who can be forgiven. You might even believe it was inevitable that I would perpetuate the abuse which defined my life. But there were five of us, and now there's four. And you are not what I was, what I allowed myself to become when I succumbed to my animal nature. What? How does... How do people do it, Michael? How, 
How do people succumb? Oh, I don't know. They say great minds think alike. And for some reason, when you lift up the rock upon which any of our great minds, our politicians, dignitaries, religious leaders, philosophers, or rock stars live on, underneath it, there always seems to be a child getting fucked out his little ass. Now why? Why is that the story of man? Where have we gone wrong? Maybe it's that damned ape DNA which we still can't shake after all these years. For all of our pretensions of superior knowledge, we're little better than the chimp, that cursed mother of higher intelligence who delights in domination, degradation, and its own feces in equal part. Maybe there is no missing link, and we are, all of us, a chain of faulty wiring. We are all the same animal with the same appetites, and it is the circumstances by which we feed our hunger that differs. But all men are not the same, Michael. I didn't want those things that... I mean, I didn't want... Lumps? Sure. Sure! You didn't want lumps. But you wanted three wives, you know? All men are not the same, but all men are built the same way. The same parts make us want the same things. Maybe if you were me, then you would be me. Maybe we are a bad species, albeit one with some wonderful songs and jokes. But I don't know. Maybe that would be easy for me to believe, because I'm the prime example of a badly evolved species. Maybe I'm the one protecting myself, and this is... Shame talking. Sure, you know. The chimp is man's past, and maybe the past is a little bit more real than I like to admit, but that doesn't mean it has to define our future. Maybe it is time for all of us as a species to accept our past so we can let it go, Germaine, so that it need not burden our children, who are our future. If there is a path for higher intelligence, it is theirs to walk. For the children. For the children! May they evolve beyond us. May they have less of us. Be more than us. And keep their innocence. I think I... know what you did, Michael. I know that you know. I am so sorry. It's all in the past. I miss my brother. Hey, as for that little girl, Michaela, the one who came out singing and dancing, are you going to show her Blackbird too? In time, I guess. You going to laugh at her too? No, Michael. What about our stuff? Are you going to show her our records? Our records? Yeah, of course, Michael. I'm always playing our stuff. Good. She needs something to sing and dance to. Why are you giving her Paul McCartney records? I don't know. I mean, she's already a late bloomer in that department as far as, uh... This family is concerned. Ha! I remember once a reporter asked Mama if Janet always wanted to be a singer. She said, not really. Not until she turned four. <laughs> Michael, uh, are you going to call Janet and Mama too? No. I don't think Michael Jackson's got any more calls to make. Why not? Because my break is over. And I hung up. 
I felt kind of bad for having spooked Jermaine Jackson with the pronk that I cronked on him. But I also felt an odd sort of peace. I felt like Jermaine and I had each learned something from one another. And I smiled thinking about that for the whole remainder of my shift and the entirety of my bike ride home. I smiled until my face went numb and I felt genuine concern that my face might get stuck that way forever, but no. By the time I reached my front door, there were only frowns to be found. Six frowns to be exact, one was my own, and the other five came courtesy of the Jersey City Police Department, who'd been camped out there for hours, and their frowns didn't turn upside down till I did, and the cops dragged me by my feet, let me meet the concrete, and all of a sudden, I was in the middle of a little beatdown. Little elbow to the hips, little fist to the lips. They showed me exactly how numb my face wasn't. I asked the cops what they wanted and they said, we'll ask the questions, now why don't you tell us what you were doing this morning? I howled in pain. I'm sorry, I'll never crank another prank, I swear it. But the jig was up. I'd reached the end of a countdown which started the day me and my boys first passed around the old landline and I uttered the immortal words, This is Michael Jackson. Well, this was my reckoning. The day the crank pranker became, I don't know, the mark. And the pigs marked me and they marked the black concrete with my red blood as I screamed till my face turned Michael white. I'll never do it again! Tell Jermaine I'll never do it again! For as long as I live, I'll never step foot into the Michael Joe zone. They all looked at me confused. It was apparently an unrelated offense. Jeremy Gardner, one of my boys, had reported me for a sexual relationship which I'd entered into with his 16-year-old sister as soon as he had left for college. But that's all in the past now. 16 years to be exact. And in as many more, I'll be eligible for parole. And I like my odds. I've been on very good behavior. True to my word, I haven't pressed my lips to a receiver and said, This is Michael Jackson, he he, for a solitary second of my time in solitary. I haven't stepped foot into the Michael Joe zone, not even backwards, as neither of my feet left the ground and I moved impossibly as though I were on the moon. Except for when they gave me my one phone call. That was the exception which proved the rule. I called Dialed Prince, and truth be told, it was the better pronk of the day. He and I sang Bad as a duet, which is how Michael Jackson originally intended for it to be recorded. Prince was in great voice, and perhaps more so than ever. I sounded exactly like Michael Jackson. Oh, man. I wish I could show you. 